Kelly Raybon. She is Kelly R on Instagram. This is and true. <laughs> we are living the authentic life. Big shout out to Adam Andrus, our sound engineer. We couldn't be coming to you looking as good as we do without Adam. And of course, I have, a get, have to give a shout out to the dry bar. Don't you feel better with cute hair and makeup? Oh, absolutely. And your hair is looking extra fabulous this morning, might I add. So, Well, it nice also job. helps that it's a cold day. Yes. So I based the entire <laughs> outfit today on the accessory. And you're looking fabulous in yours. Thank and we you. have to give a shout out to... Mignon Gavigan. Yes, we were both sporting her earrings. Completely so. coincidental, but I absolutely love that. I mean, that's just one more similarity, I feel like, that you and I have when we walk into the room and we're wearing... The same, the same designer. I know. It's incredible. <laughs> well, you are such an authentic life girl. You have an incredible past as an investigative reporter in cities around the country. You were landed in Houston, but you were in Denver, in Austin, in Memphis, and in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Oh, my God. And you brought out so many amazing stories that really helped the community. You've won a few Emmys. Yes. You won the Edward, Edward R. Murrow Award for investigative reporting, which is kind of the bomb it, in it, being an investigative reporter. It is. So tell yes. us a little bit about how you got into that journey in life. So I, I think deep down I always had this um, insatiable curiosity and inquisitive nature. Just, you know, a lot of kids are curious, but I would always take it to the next level. And it's kind of a sad story, but uh, what I think really set me apart was when I was in fifth grade, my preacher was murdered um, by a serial killer. Rafael Resendez Ramirez, he was known as the railroad killer. And so my preacher, who was in Weimar, um, and his wife were both, you know, killed. And, and then a friend of mine's grandmother was also killed by this guy as well. Um, but he also affected people, killed people in Houston and then across the country. But I was in fifth grade at the time, and I just became wrapped up in this case. And we had just gotten the Internet, and so I would spend all night long researching as if a fifth grader could crack the case. You know, in my mind, I thought that I could. And so when I look back uh, in my life, that was really the first like touch point that I can recall, at least, of having you know the desire to investigate something all the way through. Okay, well, we have to give a shout out to Danette in my office because she is obsessed with figuring out serial killers, too. So she's listening today. We love Danette. But um, I believe Malcolm Gladwell, I talk about this a lot, the 10,000 hours. So it's interesting. So many people that I talk to that are successful, that are focused on purpose in their life, they also started their passion when they were young. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting that you were able to go in that path. Did you sure. go, did, were you a journalism major? Yes, well, sort of. Um, I went to a small school, Texas Lutheran University, uh -huh. and they only had communication studies. So they yes. really didn't, they didn't have a journalism program, but that didn't stop me. Uh, I started interning right away in San Antonio at a TV station there, WOAI. And even beyond... I wasn't supposed to be interning because I wasn't getting credit anymore through the school, but I just kept showing up, right? And they just kept letting me in the door. They were happy to have me work. And so um, they actually let me produce a story that ended up getting uh, 
federal agents involved. The kid got arrested. It was it was a huge deal. But I had produced the entire story. This kid was making fake IDs at uh, a neighboring college, and I was able to figure out the whole scheme. And you know, he ended up getting in pretty big trouble. And it turned out later on that they found that he had actually unknowingly sold fake IDs to Russian known Russian terrorists. Wow. And that was shortly after 9-11. And so there was, you know, an extra um, concern about that type of security, not just fake IDs being used to buy beer. So, Wow. International espionage yes, as an intern. Re- re- really, really. So it was crazy. So the um, that was just kind of the beginning of, I would say, my official career. Uh, when I took my first job in Pascagoula, Mississippi, it was shortly after Hurricane Katrina. So a lot of my stories were about uh, hurricane recovery, which had really, you know, the, the hurricane had decimated the coast uh, of South Mississippi. But I started looking at um, former meth labs because meth was really becoming an epidemic at that time and I had the idea I was working by myself I was what they call a one-man band so I would carry my camera I would do all of my own shooting all of my own editing my own reporting everything and I was in a bureau so I was in an office working all by myself I had this idea to look at some of these former meth labs uh, places where the homes where the bust had happened the police come in they take everything out but what they can't take out is the carpet and the ductwork. And they didn't realize at the time that meth was actually coating every surface of the home. So my thought was I'd go back by some of these homes and see if there were new families there. And I thought, I bet they have no idea that this used to be a meth lab. So I would go and I would knock on the doors and people would, for one, have no idea, but two, it was, it was so eye-opening because they realized I'm having all of these health problems. I'm having asthma that I never had before, headaches, rashes, difficulty breathing, all sorts of things. And that was because they were living in a meth lab. That is crazy. So that, that was uh, the And story. then you went to health officials and started mm-hmm. talking to yes, them about it? I did. I did. Uh, between health officials and then went to the real estate commission. And we ended up getting the law changed in Mississippi to both require cleanup of meth labs and to require disclosure to future home buyers or renters. So that way they would know the home's past. And that is when you create real change, when you can actually implement a law that changes the way things are happening. And I think that everyone, no matter if you're a stay-at-home mom, no matter if you're young in your career, to have this vision that you can truly change your community, Mm -hmm. change our world, I think that that's what gives us purpose to keep going in such a strong way. So uh, you left there and went to Denver? So I, I was 21 years old at the time of doing these stories, which I think, looking back, I mean, it's it just, just blows amazing. my mind, you know, that I had that sort of um, desire to dig in and that commitment uh, to my community. So so I was very fortunate. I, I got a lot of attention with that story because I'd won the Edward R. Murrow Award, which is a national award. I think I was the youngest um, person to win that award at the time. I don't know if I still am, but uh, then moved to Memphis and had you know no i no, no plans of stopping this investigative reporting anytime soon so i did numerous um, law changing investigations in memphis as well uh, but it really started this work where i focused in on sexual assault victims and 
the type of policing and that was being done to help find them justice or really what I found what wasn't being done. Mm-hmm. So I started digging into untested rape kits. People know a little bit more than more about them now, but in 2009, 2010 when I started doing these stories, it was barely a CSI buzzword. So we're talking about the evidence from sex assault victims. They report, um, you know, an alleged crime, alleged rape to the police, and they are sent to a hospital or a different facility to get this very invasive exam done called a rape kit. It's it's like a second assault, frankly. And but the, but the hope is that police are going to actually use that evidence to bring someone to justice. Right. And uh, unfortunately, what I found was that that was not happening. And um, over the course of, you know, a a year plus of investigations just in Memphis Mm -hmm. um, and then subsequent fallout, it ended up that there were about 15,000 untested rape kits in the city of Memphis alone. That's 15,000 cases that for the most part just weren't being worked. And the victims had no idea. And in those cases, you know, it's not it, it can it can prove or, or be a tool in um, a conviction of someone, but it can also help exonerate someone potentially as well. And this mm-hmm. evidence could be a case where um, the the suspect is known to the victim, but maybe in six other cases, they were an unknown. Mm-hmm. So it's, anyway, it's just very, very Im- important work that ended up um, really creating a ripple effect throughout the country. Uh, and ultimately, federal again, federal involvement happened, and it's uh, it's just been my life's work, really. And it's so um, empowering to know that you could do something you were passionate about, but yet was changing the community. We talked about the fact that we both just watched the show, The Undoing, and they actually in that show took DNA mm-hmm. to find out about the accused sure. being there on the journey. And then in real life now, we're working with a case in Houston, Ashley, or sorry, Alexis, Alexis. Sharkey, yeah. who was found murdered on Monday morning. And she is an influencer. In uh, that case is unsolved, but I would think there's a rape kit involved with that case too. Surely, I, I would. I would hope so. I think that we're, you know, we're still waiting on the autopsy results from that. I, I would bet that they probably did a rape kit as well. Just hopefully trying to do everything possible to find the suspect. I, I've been. I mean, just like the whole, really, the whole nation, um, stunned by the story, and just it's grabbed me in in such a. A relatable and up- upsetting way because I can't help but you know put myself think about what she must have gone through and put myself in in that sort of position I mean the, it's been interesting to see what her friends have said about the things that you know she's been she was telling them um, in the weeks or months leading up to her unfortunate disappearance and death um, I'm just I, I keep I keep refreshing my phone to to look for please like have have they released any new information yet I, I'm just I'm I'm very disturbed by it. Well, it's interesting because so much is focused on the husband. So this week, the undoing had the finale, and that's mm-hmm. something that so many people are talking about. It's Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant Grant, yes. not Jackman. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, we had to gluttonously 
watch it all yes. the way through. But it's interesting when real world patterns itself after art or art after real world. Yeah. So have you ever been as an influencer? Has someone ever stalked you? Have you ever, as a TV reporter, been stalked? Has that ever been something you've talked to other influencers? Because that's something that the husband's saying, that sure. it's not him. He's saying it could have been someone following her. Mm -hmm. and, and, I mean, that is uh, an interesting point and an interesting uh, avenue that I'm sure that the police are checking out. Uh, as an influencer myself, I've not had anyone stalk me but i do have those conversations with my friends about you know we'll have people randomly uh dm and say hey we should meet up for coffee and that's not necessarily you know the best idea in this day and time as a television reporter i definitely had uh stalkers and so it was i feel like i'm a little bit more in tuned with how to handle those kind of scenarios mm -hmm. just because for you know 11 years i had to navigate those sort of treacherous waters. I mean, I would have people send me things to the TV station and uh, in one of my in one of my jobs, I sat behind. So when you would watch the five o'clock news, you would see the anchors um, sitting at the desk and you could see the back of my head between the two of them while I was sitting at my desk in the newsroom. And I would have someone who would send me things and they would be able to see if it was on my desk or not. And then they would call me and say, oh, hey, Kelly, I see that you received the teddy bear today or something like that. So there are definitely creepy people out there who just feel extra close to you because they see you through a screen. Well, and they feel like they know yeah, you yeah. and they feel like that you're there in your life. It's a catch 22 because as an influencer, you do want to create that close knit feeling and, and with your community but there's some serious lines that have to be drawn and not everyone gets that yes so let's talk about connection that's in essence what you did is you changed connecting with people as a broadcaster as a reporter yes. to now an influencer was that a seamless transition were you doing both at the same time ever like how did that how did that happen? I was it, it was a seamless transition and it, an almost an ironic transition as well because uh, people think of an investigative reporter and frankly even I thought of myself as an investigative reporter as very hard edge. You know, you would mm -hmm. never promote a company or promote mm -hmm. a brand. You would always be completely unbiased and um, never share your own opinion. And now that's what I'm doing all the time. But the reality is, as an investigative reporter, I was influencing people and I was influencing public opinion. It was coming from a genuine place, you know, because I see a, a wrong in society and I want to help write it, expose it and write it. So those same skills are seamlessly now used um, as an influencer. And I think the biggest struggle as a businesswoman and a mother and a wife, a friend, a daughter is balancing all of it. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, you were coming on this morning and I was texting you last <laughs> night and I go like, I got to get the boys to bed and I'll get back with you. I mean, it is constant when you're an influencer, when you're a reporter, your job never stopped. It's not like you went there, but I think that's true of most jobs now. Like yes. they never stop. We're always available by text. So how are you balancing that? I personally don't think there is such thing as balance when it comes to work life. 
Uh, I would love to think that there is, and Mm -hmm. maybe someone has figured out the secret, but I think it's every day is changing. And the only balance is really your ability to adapt. Uh, That's just kind of how I live, because some days uh, my kids need more attention than my job or my followers, you know. Some days they need more attention than my kids. I, it, it just every day is an ebb and flow, but if you have the secrets to uh, attaining that perfect balance, please let me know. I, I am researching to write a TED Talk, and I'm working with a speech consultant, and so I've been really diving into purpose. That's in connection and commitment, mm-hmm. which is family. And I have my entire life felt pulled, more so as a mom now, but even as a wife, because I feel like it's important for me to make time for Rob to be his girlfriend, not just the woman that he comes home to at night and actually enjoy our relationship together. But I am trying so hard to say, to look at what's most important to me and then to say each of those has to get a space. Like right now, I wasn't able to do yoga today or yesterday, but I knew I needed to do certain things for Bella and certain things for work and I know I'll create other time. So in my mind, I'm almost like creating a calendar that allows for that. And the other thing that I found is during COVID is I cannot go at the pace I did before. I cannot go out five nights a week. And in fact, this week we had Christmas parties, other things out. And so we're knocking out one of the parties because I know I have to stay at home on the couch. So I think it's important. Every successful podcast guest I've had on we're all just struggling with how to balance it. So I think there it's just everybody has to find and realize that there's different amounts at different times mm-hmm. that different things get, because I think that's so true yeah. also. Uh, so again, life following um, TV or movies, I we discussed that we both watched The Morning Show, and that's Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and... Steve Carell? Steve Carell. So I thought that was the most authentic, real perspective look at the Me Too movement with uh, looking at women having relationships in the workplace and men having relationships in the workplace. And when it's sexual harassment, when it's a real relationship, the guilt that both sides feel, the lack of guilt that both mm-hmm. sides feel. So when you were working, did you ever feel that there were people that used their position to influence you in a way? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I, I don't think I've ever spoken publicly about it, but I turned down a job uh, because the news director made advances toward me and said very inappropriate things to me. Uh, and so watching that show hit really hard for me. I thought that they did a fabulous job of building that narrative and of fleshing it out to show all of the ripple effects and the inner turmoil, um, you know, within oneself and within the the newsroom. And I I just thought that they did a remarkable job, but that definitely took me back um, through my own personal experience. And I think it's so amazing that the news 
the media has championed this in such a way to take it on mm -hmm. and that there is responsibility from I guess Gretchen Carlson was one of the first at Fox mm -hmm. to come out and make those statements and then Matt Lauer of course was seems to be the one that they wrote the morning mm -hmm. show about and about his dethroning uh, it, at least we're able to talk about it in a way. There still is a bit of a victimization of the women, and sure. you see that a little bit, but there is a better understanding. And I'm not saying that all women are victims and all men are guilty. I can see both sides of, of it, but I think that's also where really connecting with the people in our community comes from is looking at them without judgment and seeing what brought them to where they are. So raising a daughter, it's an interesting perspective. And you're raising boys. boys yep. And then going back to talking about um, sexual harassment or just sexuality and rape kits and sexual assault. So for me, I'm trying to teach how to Bella how to be protected, but you're trying to teach your boys how to be raised as men that respect Respectfully, women. Respectfully, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting even... Uh, even even just the idea of, you know, as kids will say, oh, Brayden, go give her a hug, go give her a kiss, something like that, you know, to one of his girlfriends. Well, maybe that's not a good thing for me to say anymore. You know, you, we say that to little kids, but maybe that's kind of where some of this starts is us encouraging our boys to, oh, go be affectionate to her. Well, maybe she doesn't want that. Right. So it's really been um, a gut check for me as a mother to really constantly um, – check in with myself and make sure that I'm doing the best job that I can to raise respectful boys um, who are also willing to stand up for what's right and what's wrong. And you grew up in Schulenburg. Yes. yes sure and did. now you're in Houston. <laughs> are you giving them a mixture of that country life and the city life and how it all works? Because I grew up in the suburbs. Like we, if we were not, um, at the club, country club, playing golf or tennis, we were at somebody's ranch. And I feel uh, like last weekend we were at a ranch um, for Thanksgiving with my brother and his family and my parents. And it's just good to, like, have those Texas roots and feel like you get back to nature. And that's something that I think is a hard balance living in the city yes. now. <laughs> well, we're so we're so lucky to still have uh, our place in Schulenburg and I think my boys would probably rather live there than in Houston if they had their way. But it, as you just mentioned the country club, it just makes me laugh because it, I think well growing up our country club was, you know, sitting around a, a fire on the back of a pickup truck and uh, you know, drinking a few beers. <laughs> exactly. Like that. Um, that was our version of a country club. We're fishing, something like that. So, I, yeah, it is such a blessing to be able to uh, expose my kids to both environments and kind of get the best of both worlds. It is such a blessing. So tell us about Kelly R. as an Instagram influencer. Sure. And some people are, even my mom said today, she's like, what is an influencer? <laughs> what does that mean? And I said, well, I think I'm an influencer. I don't really know. You most definitely are an influencer. <laughs> I think everyone is an influencer in their own right. When you think about what are the things that 
make you happy? What are the mm -hmm. things that um, inspire you? What are the things that you love to share, especially if you're just talking to your friends? You know that feeling when you get together with one of your girlfriends and you say, oh my gosh, I have been trying this eye cream and it has been making a world of difference. Or have you tried the blow dry bar because look at my hair and it is so fabulous and you've got to just take that, you know, 45 minutes for yourself, that kind of thing. You're influencing someone mm -hmm. to learn about a product, learn about a service. It's the same idea. So I, it was, again, a natural transition for me to move from television to uh, to influencing on Instagram mm -hmm. or on social media just because I, I've always loved to share. And uh, so I personally, I love color. I love uh, mixing high and low. Um, and I love just sharing my life and the things that work for me, but also the struggles. Uh, I think that that's important too. And, and sometimes I'll, I'll hesitate before sharing a struggle because I don't want to, I know people have enough, you know, negativity or things that drag them down in their day. I don't want to drag someone down, but the reality is by sharing a struggle that I'm going through may lift somebody up by knowing that they're not alone because they're dealing with a similar situation in their life today too. And I think that's true. Women, we carry our pain with us from our stories. And then when we hear someone else's story has pain and I, it gives us, I don't know, credibility to our story or it gives us um, a connection with them that we didn't have before. Sure. And so um, I remember Chloe Dow, big shout out to her, love her style and her commitment to our community and she said that she was trying to lose weight and she was posting the scale i was like oh girl i don't know if i can do that but she's actually the one that taught me into doing videos and what i found is people connect more with us when rob and i are back and forth or when he says something that completely embarrasses me and i'm like oh my god i can't believe you said that on tape so um you do you ever feel because I'm kind of in this place. I'm starting to not just represent our brand, but I'm starting to talk about other brands and support sure. other people. Um, and I just was approved as a reward style influencer. But I'm concerned that if I put something in my post that I haven't personally tried and it doesn't work out, that my followers might take it as inauthentic. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I've only tried everything that I've used. So tell us about like how you even pick because you are a lot of categories your design um, fashion beauty life and style is what I call it which is really all-encompassing it is it is um, so I I typically will only share things that I have tried and enjoy um, there some but if I do share something that like I'm buying right now uh, but I haven't received it yet, I'll usually indicate that. For example, like I, I might share something like that in stories. Like, hey, I think I'm going to get this for a Christmas present for someone. Oh, I've got it, yes. But, but if I have something on hand, I'm going to be showing it and I'm going to be talking about it. But I usually will give that disclaimer that I haven't purchased it yet. 
I think about, for example, some of the clothes on Amazon. I mean, yes. there are some serious fails, you know? And yes. just because this shirt costs $12 does not mean that it is going to look as cute as it does on the model, you know? Absolutely. And, and there have been some major fails and that, I've, uh, that I've shared, and even with the disclaimer of saying I haven't bought this, but I'm going to get it, uh, then I feel bad when it comes in and it looks terrible, right? So I really try to minimize that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just not a person who just mass shares uh, all of these things for the sake of doing that. I just like to really kind of curate, I guess, things that I, I believe in. And how did you get your number to set? I mean, you have 50, Let's see, uh, almost 80, about 80, 80. almost, almost 80,000. Yeah, yeah, excuse me, not oh. 50,000, 80,000. Like uh, what? Is, so how does that path work? Because I'm at 20,000 and I'm just elated. That's amazing. So tell us, like, how you, how does that grow? Is it through collaboration with other brands and other influencers? How do you meet other influencers? Tell people out there that are considering sure. starting their journey. I, I think that, uh, you know, net, not only networking, or maybe it's initially networking, but ultimately forming genuine friendships with other influencers in your community is a huge win mm-hmm. because, in this space, you typically don't have a coworker that you can turn to and crack jokes with or commiserate with, but because we're just on our phones, but when you can actually connect with people in real life, uh, that makes a world of difference for, I think, your just um, inner workings, <laughs> so to speak, but also uh, when it comes to sharing audiences and uh-huh. sharing tips and tricks and things that you're, you're doing. The, the women in Houston's influencer community have been so opening, opening, so welcoming to me, and I have made such incredible friendships that have truly been beyond instrumental for me making it through a really difficult season of my life as I was going through my divorce and becoming a single mom. And I mean, I relied on those girls for everything. And I mean, I could tear up thinking about it because to think that we've been able to form such strong friendships through initially DMing each other and then ultimately crying on each other's shoulders, like that just is mind blowing. Well, Kiara Kasragi is the way that we met, (laughs) and she um, is such a fabulous, soulful, energetic ballerina. I can't help but call her a ballerina because she just glides and she talks and she moves. We love you. Um, Yes, and we miss you, Kiara, so come back soon. (laughs) Oh, no, but she's having a fabulous time in in Florida. But um, so tell us... Give us some teasers on holiday gifts because I think everyone's certainly thinking about it. Yes. Do you do yours by price range or by person in your life, or how do you approach that? So I have a few more gifts that I'm gift guides that I'm working on, but I um, so far on my blog kellyraybon.com, I've got three different gift guides up right now: um, one for the beauty lover, one for the fashionista, and one for home. But I think that it's even hard to categorize gifts because there's so much kind of yes. ebb and flow between them. So I highly recommend you check them all out. <laughs> but I would say the most popular gift so far, and actually I have 
have it in my purse. I wish I could throw it, show it to you. But is this long wallet, okay? And it is as inexpensive as five dollars. Right no now. way. Okay. Yes. Well, add those to our stories. Yes. Yes. So people um, can see them. But but what I use it is as, as a gift card wallet, okay? And so you know how you end up misplacing yes. all of your gift cards or randomly when you need them, you can't find them. This is the perfect way to put the gift cards in Love this that. big old wallet. They've got it in like thirty colors, and I think it would be so cute to give someone a gift card with the and gift card the wallet. wallet. Love it. Yes. So I think that is like one of the most practical and inexpensive and you know good usable stocking gift. stuffer. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And it's like a t- good teacher gift, you know, neighbor uh-huh. gift, all, all the things. So that's probably one of my favorites. Um, what I have on my list yes. is this nugget ice maker. <laughs> Nugget ice maker? Okay, do tell. So it's, I mean, it's like $450, so Uh you know. Um, But it's like this big. It sits on your countertop. You don't have to run a water line to it. Wow. Yes, and it makes like that sonic ice. (sighs) I so love I swear that I will ice. drink more water if absolutely I, <laughs> if I have a fancy ice do, maker. Southwells <laughs> on um, San Filippi near Fountain View has that ice too. So I used to go there just to get the ice. Yes, I'm so in love with that. <laughs> so that's the the splur- So I gave you the the most inexpensive gift and the splurge gift. I love it. So are your boys, what are on the boys' wish list? Oh, my gosh. Anything to do with Star Wars. Um, I let Brayden, the four-year-old, make a Star Wars Christmas tree. So Target has some really cute Star Wars ornaments. And so we made a little Star Wars Christmas tree. So anything Star Wars, he's super into dinosaurs. He can rattle off probably 50 dinosaur names. And how old is he? Four. Oh, wow. Yeah, he... That kid, he is like a dog on a bone. When he gets into something, I mean, he will sit there and research it and, you know, read his books all night long about it. So um, I can't imagine where he gets that Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Diving into all of that. So um, let's talk a little bit about authenticity. Uh, Tell us from a standpoint of relationships, friendships, or business, or any aspect We're talking about authenticity. How do you find what's authentic? How do you find it in products or in relationships? Or what are you looking for? When it comes to friendships and relationships, I think the true test of authenticity is when times are tough. How does that person behave? Mm -hmm. You know, does that person stick it out and show up for you? um, Or do they not? I think that is a pretty good... um, a pretty good litmus test. Uh, when it comes to products, mm-hmm. I, I always will use something for preferably three weeks before sharing it uh, because I think you can't just put it on one day and say, oh my gosh, my skin looks so much better, you know, or use a toothpaste one time and say, oh, my teeth all of a sudden look so much whiter. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's time. Time helps to test authenticity. And the ability for someone to show up. I love that. I say it's when people's words matches their behavior. Yeah. Yes. Because I think that that's oddly hard to find these days. Yes. So COVID hit. Huge change in the way that we connect, the way we work through things. Can you tell us your positive findings from COVID and maybe the hardest thing that you went through with COVID? Gosh, I mean, the hardest thing, again, going back to balance, just trying to figure out how to be a a teacher, a mom, a content creator, a 
housekeeper, a cook, uh, you know, <laughs> and all of the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's crazy to think back over the last several months because it has been such a blur. Um, but one of the, some of the best things, though, have been the time that we've been able to spend, you know, mm-hmm. with the boys and, and the reduced amount of um, of things going on. You know, it's, that was a blessing and a curse at the same time. It, Absolutely. For, for those of us that are very outgoing and social butterflies, that was hard to not be able to go do all the things. But at the same time, I think in retrospect, now we appreciate the downtime because we likely will never have a period of downtime like that again. And it was almost an excuse to say no Mm -hmm. to things that maybe you didn't feel like you could say no to before. So uh, travel, you are a girl that loves travel too. I found that to be really hard. And I found, I, I really dove deep into it and I thought, what is it about travel that fills my soul? And it was something that I mentioned to you earlier is being in nature. So either going to a mountain or going to a beach. Yes. We have Galveston, but it's not quite the same. But still, it's at least a beach that we can go to and be with nature. Yes. And the other thing I noticed with travel is I was not focused on work. I was focused on relaxing sure. and connecting with friends. Yeah. And I think that if we look back at what we miss from COVID and find a way to replace it with other connections Mm -hmm. or other things in our life, that we can maybe have a different perspective and still end up in a positive way. Have you traveled at all? Not really, no. Just um, locally, I guess you'd say. I I did a, um, a couple of different Texas kind of road trips and that was awesome. But I had to cancel a Park City, Utah trip uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then was supposed to go to Napa last week um, and canceled it as well due to California really being on a lockdown. So uh, it's been unfortunate, but I I am very blessed to have been in Italy, actually, uh, right as COVID was hitting. So at the wow. end of February, and I was um, on a trip with my other blog girlfriends. <laughs> um, so was, it was Lan on that trip? No, no, uh, no it was um, uh, Sara and Rashid yes, and, and Shelby. Yes, yes. yes, so the four of us girls, oh. you know, took on Italy, and we were in Milan. Um, we were there. Shelby and I were there for about ten days, and um, we traveled. We went to Genova, and we went to Florence. It was amazing. Um, and the tail end of it was a little nerve-wracking because COVID was all of the sudden popping in Italy. And so we weren't exactly... Specifically sh- Milan. Specifically Milan. And so the last couple of days that we were in Milan, it was a little dicey as to... I mean, everything had shut down. The Duomo was closed. Like, everything was closed. Um, and so we weren't... We were, you know, really on pins and needles to make sure that we could get out. Um, although, you know, being stuck in Italy might not be what, so bad. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> might get a little expensive. Absolutely. But, yeah. Yes. Uh, but anyway, it was it was the trip of a lifetime for me. And, uh, I mean, talk about a God thing. Like, I feel so – that was my first time to ever be in Europe. So uh, I, it was such a blessing to be there literally at the very last minute. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. So I think I've, I've shared with you we were in – Um, Italy for my father's 80th birthday last November and um, I just don't know if we'll ever 
be able to go as a family. There yeah. were 12 of us that went together, and I don't know that that'll ever happen again. So it's COVID also teaches us to seize our moments and to not wait for the future because you just don't know you have no idea. what the future holds. So speaking of future, we're going to 2021. Yes, yes. I think everyone's like, goodbye, <laughs> 2020. Today I'm going to an event at the Sydenham Clinic, and we're creating vision boards for 2021. So have you started thinking about your new vision for 2021? Like where, where do you see yourself? <laughs> or are you taking it more day by day? I am taking it a little day by day, but last year, um, just a couple of days before the new year, I sat down with some of my girlfriends and we made vision boards. And I actually had to leave early, so I wasn't able, I had all of my pieces that I'd cut out but they and I still have them sitting in my closet but they're just sitting on top of the white poster board and to me that's kind of ironic because it is it's 2020 did not go how we would have expected at all so I still have all of the pieces so you can just take so, off the tw the zero and it, add the one exactly, and make it exactly you know I think like okay 2020 was a scramble but you know what 2021 we're going to put it all together and see what happens from there okay so we're finding a vaccine that is going to be approved too soon uh are you going to take it or are you going to wait i'm going to wait okay personally See, we and our family are taking it so i want to know tell us why you're waiting i just it it just concerns me that it i know like i'm, I'm grateful for all of the work mm -hmm. I, I can't even begin to imagine all of the work that's gone into it but just for me personally i need to do some more research in into um, into the vaccines and it makes me nervous when something has been rushed the way that it has mm -hmm. because there is no way that we can know like long-term effects Absolutely. right now so that's my that's my biggest concern so when i'm asking people and i'm it's pretty much 50 50 maybe even more towards not taking it so it's pretty interesting yeah i i wish that i felt differently but it just makes me nervous that it has been rushed and no, there is no long-term study yet because we didn't know about this, you know, <laughs> years ago. Oh, completely. And um, do you want to talk about conspiracy theory? Do you think that it was created? Do you want to go into that? Oh, I mean, we can. I, I certainly think that uh, I, I believe that um, it's not a coincidence that this all happened. Um, did it maybe get out of hand? Probably. But I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? I think that it wasn't a coincidence. And we do so much business in Hong Kong and Japan. And we were so focused on everything that was happening there with China trying to mm -hmm. take over Hong Kong. So it's pretty interesting. And a lot of the Hong Kong officials have officially stepped down and China's taking it over and it's happening. So we were all in an uproar wanting to help all those people there and now we're just kind of all wanting to help ourselves sure so i think it is interesting timing that all of it's being deflected but i'm not an investigator reporter i'm just a gut person i just did elaine turner's um understanding your oh, worth uh -huh. and so i did this analysis and i more than thinking it through or feeling it through my gut yeah. like i just take the facts and i'm like that's kind of what i think mm -hmm. 
and it's kind of served me well, but it's not like I'd bet on it. But I'm not a better. Rob and I, Rob says we don't have to be betters in Vegas because we bet every day that we're going to buy something and be able to sell it for a profit. Isn't that the That's truth? That's enough of a risk. <laughs> but on that note, we are open on Saturdays, and we are serving margaritas in the store, and we are going to be launching a giveaway with you tomorrow. Yes. Oh my gosh, so excited for that. Yes, and we have gift ideas for people. Um, starting at Twilly Scarves at 125 and then going up from there. We have bracelets um, from Hermes starting at around 500 and then up from that. So we want people to know we can help you remotely because that's another thing. So many people are afraid to go out shopping and are looking online, mm -hmm. and we want people to know that we're here for virtual shopping. Well, you have the most fabulous store and the most fabulous inventory of all time. I cannot wait to get back and look at some of those Chanel bags because I, ever since I came into your store a little <laughs> while back, there are a few of them that have been on my mind and in my dreams, so we shall see. <laughs> I love it. Well, we have been... I have to say, we've been buying as much as we've been selling, so it's been exciting. We have a great inventory, and that's what makes us different than other people as we actually buy. So you're not consigning waiting to get your right. money. You can trade in the day of. But um, thank you so much, Kelly. It's been so good to be with you. Um, we'll be having lots of photos on our stories on Instagram, and uh, tune in and you might be the winner of our giveaway. Ooh, that would be a lucky day. Exactly. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Thank you for having me. Bye, everybody.